Amen. A little bit of feedback up here. I, uh, the battle belongs to the Lord. Those, uh, the songs we were singing, I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies and uh, that I'm going to see a victory have become very meaningful songs um, to us in our life. And I hope they are becoming meaningful songs to you as we uh, depend on Jesus Christ to move. Uh, that we depend on Jesus in our personal life, in the life of the church, in the mission of the church, and in our culture. Now, as we depend on the Lord and we raise our, our eyes, we lift our heads up and our, our face is looking toward the Lord, we're waiting for Him. Uh, at the same time, we are to be working as well, church. Uh, it's not just there's times where you wait on the Lord and there's times where you've waited long enough and it's time for us to be a part of the work that we are to be an active people in uh, the ministry Christ has called us to. I'll have a quote we're going to begin with today from Billy Graham. Uh, we're working on getting it up, but even so, I'll, I'll share it with you. Uh, becoming a Christian is the work of a moment. Being a Christian is the work of a lifetime. As soon as you trust in Jesus Christ by faith, the Spirit comes into your life, you are born again, you are saved. There's this instantaneous work of Jesus Christ. It is not your works, it is the work of Christ. But living as a Christian is a lifetime work. Uh, it's not anything that stops, and we've watched people over the years who've fallen away because they thought just because they prayed and they did believe that everything was over. Uh, uh, for us as Christians, we believe, we have faith, and we follow. Uh, there is, should be fruit in our life as this work continues in our lives. But God will work in and through you for a lifetime. God is working in us that we might be sanctified. Now, there's a term, uh, the Church of the Nazarene was known for preaching holiness. In that word, you'll see holiness, sanctification, or sanctified in the New Testament. A Greek word, hagias, very similar that's used for that. That you are to be saved by Christ, sozo, you're given life, and that you are to live holy, hagias. These things are happening together, and as God is making you holy, you're getting evil out, and you're doing the good Christ has called you to do. So God is working in us that we might be sanctified, and we keep working in response to what He's doing in our life. So on a Sunday morning, you hear a message. Jesus is speaking to you. You're convicted by the Holy Spirit, and you are to respond to that. If not, you do what James is saying. He says, you come in, you look in the mirror, you see the blemishes, and then you walk away. But we are to be doers of this work that God is calling us to. And a major part of Christianity is work, and it is a lifetime calling. It's not a sprint at all. It is a marathon uh, and, and that we're going and we keep going. We may rest along the way, but this is a, a lifetime calling for us. God is calling everyone here. Every Christian is to be cleansed and to be ready for every good work. We spent a lot of time talking about that. Now, we're going to be in 2 Timothy today. Uh, we've kind of been working on these same verses for a few weeks and I like that. I like context now. I want to, if I'm going to be in the scripture, I want to spend more time in that. And one of the things I used to want to do is just kind of read through. And now if you're reading through the scriptures, that is a good goal. 
If you're making a goal to get it, get the entire Bible in in a year, that is a good goal. But it's also a good goal to pause and read through the scriptures and read through the same verse again and again. That's one of the things here I am in my you know, late 40s now. And I, you know, a professor is saying, when you read this text, read through it. Actually, he's saying entire books. Read through it three times in one sitting. Um, but what you'll find is there's so much there that God wants to teach you. So as we get into the word today, repeat after me, all scripture is breathed out by God and is useful to teach us what is true, to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. All right, let's get into this letter from the Apostle Paul to Timothy, the same book, different chapter. Now, in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use and some for dishonorable. That is to say, this is a common analogy. In any home, in any place, in any restaurant, there's bowls that are used to serve. There's the good dishes and there's the bad dishes. You don't serve a guest with a dog bowl. And you don't use your china to feed the cat. That's the way. It, now, some people may be. You know how those cat people are. But here it is. <laughs> Verse 21. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use. He is set apart as holy, hagias, useful to the master of the house. We want to be useful uh, to God and ready, church, for every good work. Let's pray together today. Father in heaven, we love you. We just take time to bless you. We thank you for our brothers and sisters around the world who have set aside this time to worship the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. And today, Lord, you have a word for us. We pray that you continue to give us these spiritual ears that we need to hear what you would say to the church today, that we listen to the Spirit uh, Lord, that we have these eyes, that we're born again, that we have eyes to see the kingdom, um, to see what you're calling us to, to be able to see you in all your glory and goodness and love, that we are drawn to that. And Lord, as much as we want to thank Christ for all he has done, Father in heaven, we thank you for your great love, for in, even sending the Christ. We thank you for giving us the Son we thank you for giving us the Holy Spirit. And I pray today that we understand the cross. Lord, many today are living on the right side of the cross, but the wrong side of giving of the Holy Spirit of Pentecost. And I pray that we are filled with the Spirit, that we're living revived in you. Lord, even now we pray ahead for the revival time. Uh, Lord, that we make it a priority that there have been holy men and women of God throughout history of set aside time to meet with you, that you may move and act, that lives are transformed. And we pray that you just continue to transform us, that we become the disciples you've called us to be today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, church, over the last few weeks, we spent time dealing with the reality that God can create in you a clean heart. Um, that should be our goal as Christians that I don't want to just have one foot in and one foot out. I want to be all in. I don't want to be, you know, just a little clean and a little dirty. 
that I want my heart to be cleansed by God, that I, I may be pure, this vessel he's called us to be. Uh, we also learn that we're to cleanse ourselves. It is a personal call to holiness. So we can, in fact, be ready for every good work. Uh, we want to be at the starting line, ready for God to call us to a work. Now, sometimes I believe along the way we are to be working. There's things in the church that anyone can do and serve in. I know when I was serving as an associate years ago, uh, uh, the pastor there who is now uh, a DS in Kentucky, he would call me to do anything. Derek, we need tables and chairs set up. Go down to... We need to go down to... Someone who's calls in trouble in the church, he'd lean over, he'd be like, praying, Lord God in heaven, continue to move. Derek, go run him out of here. He's causing trouble. <laughs> Anything and everything, there's always some kind of an issue that we're dealing with to be called to. But we're called to personal holiness. And I want you to see this. D.L. Moody said this. The first thing a man must do, and that means a man or a woman as they seek to serve God, the first thing a man must do if he desires to be used in the Lord's work is to make an unconditional surrender of himself to God. That means I'm all in from the beginning. I'm not looking back. Jesus even said, if you put your hand to the plow and you look back, you're not fit for the kingdom. Uh, because some people are saying yes, but they're not ready. And here it is. We are to be ready. We want to grab on and, and do this work of full surrender and following Jesus Christ. So a question as we begin today, are you ready for every good work that God has for you? And I love that. I wish I could run that down for a while, just the, the every everything that Jesus Christ is calling you to do. Uh, throughout the week, there's something that God wants you to do. Daily, there's something. There's every good work that God is calling us to. But let's deal with the work today. In church, we are, in fact, called to work. God didn't step out of heaven and save us by His grace for us to be lazy. Again, verse 21, Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use. He is set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. Church, God has a calling and purpose for His people. He has given us the Spirit that gives us gifts to serve in the church. He calls, He gifts, um, and, and whatever it may be. And whatever He has gifted you with, He wants you to use that gift to serve, to do good. And when you clean things up, you will, in fact, be ready for these works. Um, I, if you had a ministry where you're trying to help people that have struggled in alcoholism, now there, there is those who have had that background, and if you haven't repented from that, you're really, it's hard to help somebody in the present. Um, I, I think it's a better situation if somebody hasn't been through a lot of affairs to give people counseling in marriage. You want someone that's not been doing that, even though you can be forgiven and healed from those things. You don't want somebody that's having an affair on the side to be counseling you for marriage either. You want someone who is clean and ready for every good work. Now, I want to talk to you about the work today, and I want to talk to you a little bit about the Protestant Reformation. I love to learn about this. It happened around 1517. It's attributed to Martin Luther, who nailed his thesis, 95 Thesis, to the church door in Wittenberg. Now, here you have them nailing it there, and they have people watching and, oh, hey, what's going on? But really what may have happened on October 31st on this day, this was a community board where people put up things, and, and Martin Luther was a theologian, and he wanted to debate these issues of indulgences. If you read it, indulgences comes up many times, 95 of them. Take time to read them and what Martin Luther had issues with and the Reformers had issues with. 
But the three key things of the Protestant Reformation, and there are more things that happened at the time, are these. The major issues was, one, authority of Scripture, and that we were to trust in Scripture alone. And obviously the Holy Spirit is a part of that. The point that they say is that the reason they were saying Scripture alone is because the papacy, the papal, the, the, uh, the priest had changed the word. They were beginning to say what the Bible said and instruct the church based on their authority rather than the authority of the Word of God. A second major issue was the priesthood of the believer. That I am in Christ, I am a priest, I am made holy, though Christ is a high priest. I do not necessarily have to go to a priest to have my sins forgiven. I have access as a priest to the high priest. And the third thing, the main thing I want you to see here, is that there is justification by faith alone. That I am not saved by works. I am saved by the work of Jesus Christ. Which is to say, we're not saved by works of righteousness that we have done. It is accomplished by the work of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, in decades past, and I've shared this a lot, and the reason I share things a lot, one, is because there's a lot of coming and going in the church in the 21st century. So a congregation we may have had two weeks ago may be a half different congregation that is here today, and you never know who was here when you were sharing something. The second thing is I believe in repetition. So if I'm preaching the same thing, then that's learner-based education, and you're able to receive it and memorize some of these things. It is good for the disciple to repeat the things that we've learned. But in the Protestant church, which I would say was an overcorrection that took place, and today, so there was one church for a thousand years, and then it split into East and West Roman Catholic, and then into Eastern Orthodox. But for the most part, for the next 500 years, still pretty much one church. Then the Protestant Reformation happened around 1517. And then today we have how many denom denominations? 30,000, if you didn't know. So a lot of things have changed. But in the Protestant denomination, the overcorrection is to emphasize we're not saved by works, we're not saved by works, we're not saved by works. But I want you to see here in context what Paul is saying. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It's not because you've been working and you, you had your, these righteous works that you've done. It is a gift from God. You didn't make Jesus come out of heaven. The Father gave us His Son. It's not a result of works, so no one can boast. Other religions will tell you, well, I do this, 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 and this, and this. I'm supposed to be saved. I keep the five pillars. I, it's works-based righteousness. And here it is. We're saved by grace, not by works, but for good works. And verse 10 is what matters for us in context. For we are his what? Now, I want you to know what that means. In the, it's poema. It is where we get the word poem. We are God's poem. We are his artwork created in Christ Jesus for what? For good works that he already planned way in advance before you even came into existence. So you're not saved by works, but you're saved for good works. This should be evidenced in our life that I'm saved by grace, not by works I have done. But now God is changing me, sanctifying me, making me holy, and I'm called to work. So we're made with purpose. Now I want you to see it, it is throughout the scripture I have a holistic view of the scriptures. The things are consistent that I teach. And the first thing you'll see in Genesis 2.15 is that the Lord God took the man. He put him in the garden for him to hang out, recline, and watch Netflix. <laughs> Not there, is it? 
Even in the garden, God put the man there to tend to it, to work and take care of it. From the beginning, we were made and designed with purpose to work. Now, what did Jesus say about this? Matthew 5, 16. Let your light shine before others so that they may see what? Your good works. Now, one end, Jesus says, don't be a hypocrite for those who want to be seen by the works. On the other end, he is saying, if you do the work, people are going to see it. They're going to know something is different about you. And who are they going to give glory to? God. Amen. Here it is. Paul, Titus 2, 14. Who gave himself, Jesus, for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to uh, purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. You're zealous. You're passionate about good works. When you get up in the morning, you're passionate about God, but you're, you're passionate about the work God has called you to. I have never once woken up on a Sunday morning and said, oh, man, I got to preach today. I, have never, I look forward to Sunday. You know, what? I struggle to wake up on a, at an early time since moving to a higher elevation here in, in Wyoming. I, uh, you know, I'm like, oh, tired. <laughs> you know, on Sunday morning, I am up. I'm ready to go. I want to go. You know, it, it's something special. There's a work. I look forward to it. I missed meeting together last week. It felt weird because you've prepared. I, you know, you, if you guys were preparing to even a lesson and you're preparing this sermon and, and I'm ready to get it out because it's been marinating in my heart and my life all week. I don't want it staying in here too long. I want to deliver it. And now, so it's double in, so we get a double time of a sermon this week. So there's a lot here. You guys missed that. Woo, you missed it. All right. So Paul even tells us, or tells the Ephesians in chapter 4, if you were to look there, the role of the pastors, the evangelists, the teachers is to equip the saints to do work. That is what we're doing. The, the, the training of discipleship is to learn the things of God and to serve in ministry. Now, what is every good work? It's everything good God has called us to do. It is everything at any given moment that God is leading you to do. And I wrestle even in that teaching it and living it because there's times where I've seen where people need help. And I've, ah, oh, Lord, I have something else to do. Is this what you're calling me to do? Are you challenging me to do this? Is, you know, there's things that are going to happen that are going to wreck your schedule. And you have to decide, is this the moment God is calling me to, to do this good work? Out here at the parsonage, I don't know why people, there's a, a fourplex and a parsonage right there. So five families. But for some reason, this road is high traffic. And it has, it's horrible with snow and ice. And people get stuck out here all the time. And I remember, I saw somebody get stuck the other day. I shut the curtain, guys. I'm sorry. I'm just like, I can't, I can't. my back hurts today. Stop getting stuck. I was just, choose another road. 21st is clean. McKinley is clean. Go that way. No, I'm going to come up here and show everybody four-wheel drive works up the hill with all the snow. And boom. Then somebody else thinks they got four-wheel drive. And they're going to help the guy out with four-wheel drive. And they get stuck too. And I, it is a mess. So there's sometimes you have to say, Maybe God's not calling me to, to help in that area, but maybe, maybe in another area. So every good work, whatever God is calling you to do, uh, there's these personal convictions. There's serving in the church. There's things that are going to happen in the community. It is a good work to teach about Jesus in your home, to live out the faith in the home. Ministry church is work. Jesus even tells us, you know, the, the harvest is ready. The workers are few. Uh, he's calling us to be a part of this work. There's always, it's always few workers. 
And I think there are basic works God has called us to do, and it's, uh, it defines us as disciples, and I've been sharing this for a few years now. Some basic things that you should review your life and consider. Um, things that we should be doing that are good works, the means of grace, as John Wesley would call them in our life. Uh, number one, Sunday morning corporate worship is a priority. Because we love God, and we love the church, and we want to worship together corporately. As much as it's cool that we have streaming, uh, it's a poor second place. Uh, I'm, I'm thankful we can watch online. I'm thankful we can worship and have that, you know, if you're sick, if you're not able to attend. But we need to be together. Two, daily prayer, intercession, thanksgiving, needs, um, whatever it may be, people that need healing. Be actively praying daily. Um, three, daily scripture reading. Have devotions that you do, reading plans, whatever it may be. Now, I want to add this, and this is something the Lord gave me last year. It's not that I do a devotion and I check it off and I'm done. I do a devotion because I'm devoted to the Lord Jesus Christ. He occupies my time and I want to spend time with Him. I want the Word. I want to be praying. I want to be seeking Him in all that I do. Four, giving. Mike mentioned this weird, archaic word this morning. Tithe. Tithe just means a tenth of your income. That should be normative for the Christian. It should be that I am, God has blessed me with a job. If you don't get the tithe right, if you get another job, it will always be a struggle. You will get more money and it will always be a financial struggle. You get the tithe right and there's a lot of peace in that because you're doing the basic. It's not the ultimate, but it is the basic. And in the tithe, there is wisdom. So not only are you given to the mission, you're help funding the mission, There is wisdom that God gives to you through that and brings order to your life. I've seen it in my own personal life. Uh, There's offerings along the way, other things that we give to, like the baby bottle boomerang, anything, compassionate ministry, having something ready to help those in need along the way. I've shared this before. I have a pastor friend who keeps McDonald's gift cards in his wallet. So if people are in need, he doesn't give them food, obviously, but I'm going to give you, or I'm not going to be, that's bad. He's not giving them food. Uh, I'm not giving you, you money, obviously, I'm not trying to help somebody in a habit, but I'm gonna, if somebody is really in need, I'm ready to help them along the way. I've helped people uh, have hotel rooms if they needed it, uh, veterans that I've I found on the side of the road that are in need of an, a night just to have in a hotel to wash, whatever it may be, be ready to do those things. Connection to a small group or a class on a regular basis. Why is this important? Because you're able to build relationships with others. And you're able to grow. You're taking time out to sit down and hear a teacher who is gifted by God to tell you what it is to live the Christian life, to be educated in the things of God. That is essential. Uh, Sunday morning, we're coming in here, we're hearing the Word of God, we're worshiping together, but you're not always going to have that relationship the same way. They say most people will choose a church, 70% of people choose a church on the preaching, but if you want people to stay, they have to have, on average, seven relationships. And so that means, by the way, we have a lot of work to do. We need to be building relationships, connecting with, with other people, getting outside of our bubble, build, and becoming disciples. Six, serving in the church, whatever God needs you to do, serving in the community, demonstrating God's goodness by helping, serving, giving, whatever it may be. Eight, regularly inviting people to Christ in the church. We are so fearful someone is going to say no. I've heard no a lot. And maybe it's not time for them to come when you get to know, but I invite again. I, I remember I'd invite this 
guy who was drunk a lot in Franklinton, North Carolina. I drive by him all the time. Hey, man, you want to go to church? He saw me coming. He tried to go the other way sometimes, you know. But be after people. Pray about someone. God has given you a name. There's a neighbor, a friend, a family member, a co-worker, whatever it may be. There's somebody you need to invite to church or tell them about the gospel. We are called to do work, church. Now, there's four types of workers in the church. Now, the first type, if, if you're moving a piano in the church or something, there is the one who is going to be pushing the piano. The second worker is the type that is pulling the piano and guiding it along the way. The third person grabs the bench. But there is a fourth category. I want you to hear this because we're going somewhere with this. The fourth person watches and complains and spreads disunity about even moving the piano. Which brings us to our next point here. Why did Jesus Christ come into the world? 1 John 3, 8 Jesus has come to destroy the works of Satan. There's good works we've been called to do, and there's the work of Satan in the world. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of who? The devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works that the devil has done in the world. The devil tempted Eve. Eve gave the fruit to Adam. He disobeyed God. Sin is in the world. And Satan is actively working to tempt God's people to pull them away from the work. Jesus died to overturn death. And as he works in us, he is moving out the evil in our lives and and, and is working good through us. And as we are doing the good, it overturns the evil. Roe v. Wade was overturned in our lifetime. That is overturning evil. Now, the ramifications, however that plays out in the States, is still a battle. But we're in a battle for life. We support life. God came to overdo the works of Satan, to give life, to teach life to people, um, to, to teach them the goodness of God. Now, when people were baptized in the first century, I want you to see this here, the politics. They were taught to renounce Satan, his works, and his kingdom. Uh, If you go back and read the church fathers, they all have their versions of this. So here it is. He writes, Then the elder, taking hold of each of those about to be baptized, shall command him to renounce, saying, I renounce you, Satan. And who else? All your servants. It's usually Satan bad, but I'm still hanging out with a servant. Renounce the servants. And renounce the servants and all his works, all the evil works in the world. That for years, and I've done this, I believe I want to be baptized. And you're trying to work through what that really means because there's a kid who believes and wants to be saved and that faith matters. But if you've not renounced Satan and understanding what has happened, that we're to give up the evil works, we're not part of his kingdom anymore. I'm not hanging out with his servants I'm trying to lead people to Jesus, but they're not pulling me into the service of Satan. We are renouncing those things. Here is some in church today who are still working on the side of Satan. Now, I want you to understand we've talked about love a lot. Did Jesus come into the world to love and save Satan? Not one verse about that. He came into the world to destroy his works, and where is Satan's destiny? Lake of fire. Now here it is. There are people that are given over 
to Satan's work. Now, on one end, you hope that they're going to be saved, and you're praying that they turn. But the Bible consistently speaks about false teachers as going to a place of destruction. And, well, we have to just all get along and love everybody. We're to love God and His people and lead people to Jesus, but there comes a time where you're going to have to fight some battles and stand your ground. That I'm not giving in to the teachings of the enemy. I renounced those a long time ago. I renounced his, his, his servants. I renounced his works with all his pomp and all these things. I'm not giving in to it. Now raise your hand if you've ever heard of the Beatitudes from the Sermon on the Mount of Jesus. Great portion of the church. If you're here Wednesday night, Jesus was preparing in the chosen, the Sermon on the Mount. It's been awesome to watch it building to that moment. And then he began to recite the Beatitudes. And man, it was so meaningful. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the merciful. But did you know that Satan has Beatitudes? Somebody put together a list I found. And I want you to see this is a play on the Beatitudes of Jesus. But I want you to hear it for a reason. Because when you read it, it's convicting of anything you may have done or are doing. So I want you to see this here. Blessed are they who are too tired and busy to go to church, for they are my best workers. Blessed are they who are uh, bored with a pastor's southern accent, for they get, <laughs> get nothing. Man, I, knew, I did not know it was going to be that funny. <laughs> nothing out of a sermon. Number three. Blessed is the church member who expects to be invited to his or her own church. For he or she is part of the problem instead of the solution. Four, blessed are those who gossip, for they cause strife and divisions that please me. Blessed are they who are easily offended, for they soon get angry and quit. By the way, don't be so easily offended by anything. Uh, six, blessed are they who do not give their tithes and offerings to carry on God's work, for they are my best workers. Blessed are they who profess to love God, but hates his brother, for he shall be with me forever. Blessed are the troublemakers, for they shall be called the children of Satan. Blessed are the complainers, for I am all ears. Satan loves that. We begin to complain about something, he'll take it and spread it and cause disunity. Now this hits home on some issues, and it's a good perspective and a reminder of how we get called up in things that are not helpful to the ministry of Jesus Christ. Now, back to the work that Jesus has called us to. Every good work, a vessel for what? Honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. There are many good works, many gifts given to the church. Now, John Wesley has a list for us, and I want you to see this. He had all this stuff figured out years and years ago. He had the means of grace, which is the means by which we engage the grace of God. Reading scripture, prayer, going to church, the Eucharist, all these kinds of things, being baptized, the sacraments. That there's things that we're regularly engaged in. And he has this other category called the works of mercy. What we should be doing as Christians. What should we be doing, church? Number one, feed the hungry. Now, here's the challenge of the 21st century church. I wrestle with this because I only want to feed someone who is desperate and hungry. It is hard for me. I am very judgmental. If I see somebody rolling up in an SUV with bling and all the spinners and their belly is hanging out of their shirt, I don't know that they're starving to death. Uh, but we need to be, you need to have a, a sense of uh, discernment in this. Is this person really hungry or are they lazy? Because I've had to take people aside. Now, this is me. It doesn't have to be you. And tell them, don't you think you should be working? And so part of this, as we are working, is we're teaching others to work. 
I've had people for years, I've been doing ministry for 20 years now, and from the beginning, missional engagement, because I wanted to engage people and help people. And we would have people come to church with an SUV with spinners asking for gas money. And I'm, I'm, you need to get rid of the SUV. Or I've had people come and they send their wife in to beg while the dude is still in the vehicle. And so I'd look outside, oh, there's a guy, and I would go out there, knock on the window, say, hey, I'm Pastor Derek, what are you doing? Why are you sending your wife in? You know, I've had some of those hard conversations, but that's me, it doesn't have to be you. Number one, feed the hungry. They need to be hungry, by the way. Two, clothe the naked. Now, rarely will you see a naked person running down the street. If you do, they might be on something. However, the point is that we are to actively help those in need. Uh, we've helped families that have children that are struggling. You can see that they're barely wearing anything worth anything. Uh, people that, through winter, they need clothes. I've given away coats. Uh, we have closets full of coats, and my wife loves to give them away. I've given them away. Uh, get rid of stuff. Help people. Clothe the naked. Three, entertain the stranger. Now, that doesn't mean take them to the movies. I want you to know what that means. It means be willing to bring people into your home to help them. Um, now, there's a lot of discernment that goes with that, but be willing to help people for visiting the sick, the afflicted, those in prison. I've not visited anybody in prison in a long time. I've made an effort to go to the jail a few times and wasn't able to get in, but be actively visiting people that are sick. Be praying over them. The more you pray, the more you'll see prayers answered. Five, instruct the ignorant. That's what I mean when I'm talking about the person that's sending in his wife and choosing not to work. They need to be instructed on how to live as a man. We've emasculated men today. Uh, they want to sit at home and do nothing and send their wife to work and, and all this baby daddy stuff going around. And I've watched people pull up and the wife drive, gets out, pumps the gas, goes in and pay, pays, and the guy to the side's got his hat kicked on sideways, smoking a cigarette in the vehicle. They need the ignorant have to be instructed on how to do life. Men and women, whoever it may be, it's a duty of the church. You're helping people where they are, people that are in uh, desperate need. We're not empowering laziness. Um, you want to take people, share the gospel, help their needs. Six, awaken the sinner. That means there needs to be conviction. That you, it, you, you, we have to quit being ashamed to say you are in sin. All of this is because you're making foolish decisions because you are in sin and living the way you want. And if you turn to Jesus Christ and give your life to Him, this can change. That they need Jesus. They need to be saved. Awaken them. Part of revival is for awakening. When there is revival in the church, there's an awakening in the culture and in our country. We've seen four awakenings in our country. I would love to see a fifth awakening before I die. Let's see revival. Let's awaken the sinners. Number seven, quicken the lukewarm. By the way, I have done my best to never preach a lukewarm sermon. We have dead ministers preaching dead sermons to dead congregations, and that's why the church, we're not seeing it grow, because it is a dead work today. There needs to be conviction. There needs to be no more this lukewarm that it's okay to be living in sin. I was asked recently, what do you think about couples living together that say they're Christians? You know, I tell people all the time um, that we did everything backwards first. 
But I saw the fruit of it too, and it was a mess. And I'm thankful that somebody stepped into my life and was willing to be convicting, uh, to awaken me, uh, to show me that I was being ignorant, and God radically changed my life. But if you continue to live in sin, even if it's living, there's no blessing in that. God cannot, you can't say, God bless me, you're living in sin. Well, I want your blessing. So does God just hand over a blessing to you that you're going to continue to misuse? First, repent, turn to Jesus Christ. Um, here, to quicken the lukewarm. Confirm the wavering. That means take those who are kind of shaky in the faith. Say, look, we want to see you step up. We want to see more. You're kind of playing games. We want to see more out of your life that you can do more as you pursue Jesus Christ. Number nine, comfort the feeble-minded. Um, those who are, uh, have a lifestyle of depression or struggle or are weak, whatever it may be, we are the church. We want to welcome and help people along the way. Ten, assist and support the tempted. Recognize the temptation. It is real. Um, Satan assails people, and we need to be there to stand with people and say, look, that is a temptation. We want to walk with you and lure people, uh, help people back to Jesus Christ. And 11, contribute to the saving of souls from death. Why are we here in the first place? I want to help people, but I want to see a soul saved by Jesus Christ. That is the good news. That is the mission of the church, to tell people about Jesus, to disciple them, to be about doing work, good works in the world. Making disciples, growing vital congregations, and transforming the world is part of the spiritual adventure that is empowered and guided by the Holy Spirit as churches engage the good works that Jesus has called us to. I think it's going to be awesome. To get into heaven, I've talked about this with rescuing babies and supporting life. You're going to see moms and, and people who are adults, who are Christians, who did things in the world that you were a part of rescuing in their life. And God will put all those things together, and you'll see how this little bit of money, you helped support them. But what about the work? Um, Sunday school, whatever it may be, children's ministry, youth ministry, adult ministry, serving, whatever it may be, we don't see the fruit right now. You see some of it. But the hard-working farmer gets to see the fruit and enjoy the fruit. We have to do the hard work, and then we will see when it comes time, the glory, and hopefully this side of eternity, we see people who are discipled and, and that are doing the work as well. You know, one of the things that I cannot stand, some of you are like, this is going long, Pastor. There's no soapbox up here. I don't, I don't need that. So-and-so used to come to church here years ago, and you invested in their life. I hate those testimonies because they don't come anymore, and they come once in a while. The testimonies I love is that, yeah, that's somebody we invested in. And they said yes to ministry. And they started doing ministry. And, or somebody said, yeah, they used to be here. They're a missionary over there now. Those types of things. I want to see that more. Where we're digging in and investing, seeing people come to Jesus Christ, saying yes to ministry and serving in whatever good work that may be. Now, we're going to enter into a time of prayer. I'm not going to open the altars today. Uh, I want you guys just to, to stay with where you are. And reflect on this as we close. John Wesley sums up everything this way. Do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as you ever can. And that just sums it up. That is who we are as Christians. Now let's think about the math and the numbers. It's 365 days in the year. I just saw something yesterday phenomenal about leadership. If you just added one more hour to your day, you got up an hour earlier, and you're getting 365 more hours in a year of work that you can accomplish more. 
if you say no to an extra hour of TV. Uh, when, you're, when you're watching these shows and it wants to start the next show and the next show and it was a cliffhanger. And when we were growing up, the cliffhanger, you had to wait a few weeks. Now you just roll on, oh yes, the next show. Um, to start saying no to that and saying, I'm going to turn it off tonight. I'm going to spend time in prayer. I'm going to spend time reading. I'm going to spend time in the Word that I can be the worker Christ has called me to be. With that being said, I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. So as we do, I just want you to review your own life. Um, This is not a message to condemn anyone at all. It's just to say this is who we are and what we're called to do. And we're praying for God to speak to us about what is this work you're calling me to? And have I said yes to it? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that you speak clearly to us. We thank you for this moment in time where we can be separated from all the noise that the enemy uses to be so loud that we can't even hear your voice anymore. That we can pause and hear from heaven. And from the beginning, you've called us to be workers. And Lord, we thank you for the work of salvation. We thank you for offering this free gift to save us. And I pray more saying yes. And Lord, as we're saying yes, that we are set apart and holy. That we're living ready for every good work. And Lord, I pray that more people are saying yes, whatever it may be. I thank you for those who are stepping up and showing up and serving in whatever capacity it is. We pray for more that are saying yes to your words, that they want to know you and know the word, to preach your word, to teach your word. Lord, I pray that you give us more people that want to go and um, be missionaries around the world. And Lord, even in these dark days in our own nation, we pray that we burn bright, uh, that we are the salt of the earth, that we are the light of the world, that we are a city on a hill that people see us, our lives, our family, our churches as a place of light and hope where it's not lukewarm, but it is loving, where it is engaging those in need. And Lord, I pray you continue to give us discernment um, that we are not giving to those who would just misuse the goods, but Lord, that they feel your love and grace, that they are transformed and they welcome your gospel and the church and the ministry you're calling all of us to do. We love you today. We bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. And church, if you would stand with us as we're closed. May you go in grace and peace. May the Lord bless you as you go out to reach Casper for Christ. You are dismissed. Bless you.